Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Good morning, Jesus 911, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Two man car, Ruben Ava and Jesse Romero. And uh, today is uh, it's a good day to be alive, Jesse. We, 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 Amen. so much going on, uh, so much negativity in the, in the world. And, you know, we were blessed with it, being involved in the Catholic faith, you know, and uh, yeah, exactly. Because the Catholic church is the solution to everything, Ruben, when it's properly lived and properly taught. In fact, let me just make a, a statement. Uh, you know, the, this whole racial strife that the, that the left is ginning up all over the country, the Catholic church is really even the solution to that issue. If yeah. you think about it, the Catholic faith is being practiced in 198 countries in the world. Every country in the world, every language, Holy Mass, the sacraments being celebrated. You go to any church, you'll find people from every tribe, tongue, race, and culture, and nation. Mm -hmm. The Catholic Church is the most unifying force in the world when it's lived and practiced authentically. It's the answer to the problems that we have right now. Yep, absolutely. And today we're going to talk about uh, the myth of the chaste homosexual. And uh, I, I just want to preface it by saying, hey, we're not we're not bashing the individuals. It's it's the the sin that we're we're uh, we're coming at because we don't want to lead others to the 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 to sin, and we don't want them to believe and to endorse this lifestyle because it is it's going to take you some dark places, and we don't want that for our brothers and sisters. Ruben, and also another point that's important for us to mention is that we don't even have to look at Scripture, but we are. We're going to look at Scripture and theology, but even just natural law just tells us how dangerous this is. And, and I say that because uh, amongst the homosexual community, they have the highest rate of suicide, highest rate of depression, yeah. highest rate of alcoholism, yeah. highest rate of drug addiction, uh, and this is, I don't, we don't want this for anybody. Right. And, and, and what, what's authentic love, according to St. Thomas Aquinas? Love is to will and desire what's best for another person. We, we as Catholics desire what's best for everybody on planet Earth. And dangerous lifestyles like this would be something that we would call them, uh, we, would, we would alert and call them to back to the gospel, gospel principles. Absolutely. So uh, this, we're going to be going over a couple of articles by some traditional bloggers that uh, it's very, I think it's very well written and they, that's, uh, you know, footnoted and uh, they, they give uh, statements from church fathers and, you know, whatnot. So, and uh, some of our, uh, there's some good stuff in here. So let's, yeah, let's get into it, Jess. Yeah, it's, it's, it's this is uh, meat and potatoes Catholicism. Yeah. The article starts off, it's called Married Destroyer of All Heresies. If you want to get the articles, go to our show page, vmpr.org, vmpr.org, or go to my website, mm -hmm. jesseromero.com. And the article's kicked off with St. Pius X from Pashendi. It's always a good thing to start off anything with St. Pius X. Yep. And, and here's what he says. Uh, Meanwhile, venerable brethren, fully confident in your zeal and work, we beseech for you with our whole heart and soul, the the abundance of heavenly light so that in the midst of this great perturbation of men's minds from the insidious invasions of error from every side, 
you may see clearly what you ought to do and may perform the task with all your strength and courage. May Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, be with you by his power. And may the Immaculate Virgin, the destroyer of all heresies, be with you and by her prayers and aid. I like what Pius X says, Ruben, there once again, one of the great issues that St. Paul always brings up in the New Testament about the, the mental attacks, the attacks on the, on the mind, where Pius X says, great perturbation of men's minds from the insidious invasions of error from every side. This is why St. John Vianney told us we have to take custody of our mind and our intellect. Absolutely. So let's get into this, the myth of the chaste homosexual. So there's, a, there's an untold number of Catholic priests content that they are homosexual but chaste. Uh, taking St. Thomas Aquinas as our guide, we will see the futility of such a claim and the peril of succumbing to such a premise. And so this claim is primarily an assault on the virtue of chastity, according to the angelic doctor. Uh, number one, the word chastity derives from the chastening or rebuking of con- concupiscence. By such chastening, chastening or curbing, chastising or curbing passion is held in control and is kept in alignment with right reason. Chastity, therefore, is a virtue inasmuch as it is steadily tends to keep human conduct under the control of reason. And number two, and chastity is a special virtue for it concerns a special aspect of good, that is, the controlling, the keeping reasonable of the tendencies of sex. That's from his Summa. Um, so there is, so St. Paul's, I mean, uh, St. Thomas is clear about that. Yeah. yeah. He, he continues to quote St. Paul here, the, the article. St. Paul's writings to the Romans condemn sodomy as changing the natural use of sex into that which is against nature. And that's uh, talked about in Romans chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Just, there, let me just yeah. read that, that verse because it, it's, it really stands out in my mind. That Romans 1, 26 and 27. Absolutely. For this yeah. cause of God delivered them up to shameful affections for their women have changed the natural use into that which is against nature. And in like manner, the men also leaving the natural use of the women have burned in their lust one towards another, men with men working that which is filthy and receiving in themselves the recompense which was due to their error. Mm. Mm. But I'll tell you, uh, that passage that you just quoted in, in Romans, this is why people give themselves up to these unnatural base desires it's because prior to that, like in verse 18, it says, when you suppress the truth, a, per, a person who suppresses the truth and who is truth, truth is a person, Jesus Christ and his divine revelation. So when you fight and suppress the truth in your mind and heart, this is the, these are the consequences St. Paul talks about. You fall in because your intellect is darkened. You find you fall into these disordered passions and you commit shameless acts, men with men and women with women, because you fight against reason. You fight against the Word of God. And especially if you're a Catholic, you fight against all those sacramental graces that you've received. And so there comes a point in time where God's going to say, just like he said to Pharaoh, okay, you want to harden your heart, Pharaoh? All right, let me help you. And God will just withdraw his, his fatherly protection and you'll fall into the darkest, basest desires of your wicked heart. Absolutely. 
Okay, go ahead, Jess. Therefore, the offense of sodomy is against reason. The person who I self-identifies as homosexual has decisively rejected the natural law. That's what I just said. And his own ability to reason. Chastity keeps tendencies of sex in alignment with right reason. It is defeated that there are only two sexes. And God created man to his own image. To the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. There is no third category. <clears throat> and following St. Paul's analysis of the fall and its consequences, as explained in Romans one twenty four to 32, it is evident that prior to this, this decision to self-identify as homosexual, there is a deliberate, that's what I just said right now, there is a deliberate decision to reject the God of nature and the ex- exchange the truth for lies. This occurs in the will. This is big right here. It's a, it's a faculty of the soul. This occurs in the will, informed by an intellect darkened by the rejection of right reason. The heresy professed by, by very many today that they are born gay is soundly refuted by apostolic teaching. Once again, yeah. this, this, this lifestyle, this decision... It's just it's like the same thing like getting married. What is marriage? Marriage is an an emotional, you know, explosion of marriage is an act of the will informed by the intellect that you want to make a life with the other person until death do you part. Same with sin. Sin is an act of the will. This is this is all Catholic teaching. And God gives everybody self mastery over their will. Nobody can say like Flip Wilson said, the devil made me do it. Yes. That's not Catholic. Yeah. You know, there are people who think that there is a, a gay gene, that someone's born gay. There was a doctor a few years back that, you know, he he was claiming that he had found the gene, he had, you know, in his studies. But as it turns out, he was gay himself and was only <laughs> looking to, you know, to, to push this this agenda that, that, that we have. So... Uh, and you know, when, if you go to the, the link on the show page, there's a picture in the, in this blog of a, of, of a priest that's, uh, there with his, um, lover, his gay lover. Yeah. And yeah. that was, that was Chris, uh, Christoph Karazma. He, he was, he was a Polish uh, born priest and he was a former Vatican official who he, and he was sacked and defrocked after he, publicly announcing he was gay. And, uh, and so he held this like a news conference and, and he thought he it was going to go different than, you know, the, than the way it went. But, uh, they, the Vatican just called him out. It says it's very serious and irresponsible. And it was clear that he could no longer work as a senior aide for the congregation for the doctrine of the faith. He was working in, in the congregation for the doctrine of the faith. My goodness. That's what you used, used to be called the Holy office. Yeah. It's the highest office in the Vatican yeah. Roman Curia. And so, yeah, they, they had to, uh, cut him off and um you know i don't know uh, what where he stands now but uh there's just no no place in in um in our with our clerics to that's uh, right you know so yep anyway uh so there's okay we're coming up on a break we're coming up on a break let's uh let's pick this up on the other side and uh we'll, we'll be right back i want to change that down
Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. We are back, Jesus 911. The myth of the chaste homosexual is uh, what we're going, what we're talking about today. And, um, you know, St. James says in uh, chapter 1, verse 13 to 16, Let no man, when he is tempted, say that he is tempted by God. For God is not a tempter of evils, and he tempteth no man. But every man is tempted by his own concupiscence, being drawn away and allured. Then when concupiscence hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. But sin, when it is completed, begetteth death. Do not err, therefore, my dearest brethren. <clears throat> so, and, and the way you fight concupiscence is by living in a state of sanctifying grace, by having a strong prayer life, a strong sacramental life, taking custody of your intellect, by reading good books, reading scripture, taking custody of your eyes, walk, avoiding the neurovision of sin. It's a whole lifestyle yeah. to, to fight against the concupiscence that all of us uh, will wrestle with until we die. It can be mastered. It can be. Yeah. <clears throat> I, we, you know, every once in a while, we'd, we'd have uh, people on the job, you know, that I worked with that were um, mostly females. Um, in fact, uh, it was all females when I, that, uh, that w- were gay that, uh, that came out. And, you know, they would say, hey, this is, this is who I am. This is how I, I was born and brought up this way. And, you know, um, they said, there's no way I could change it. There's no way. And I know I've said, but you know what? Just what you said, Jesse, through the sacraments. Yeah, on your own, you can't do it. Yeah. But with God's help, all things are possible with, with God. You know, I can't, but he can is basically what you would, you know, you get. That's it. right. And by the way, uh, as you're listening to us right now, we're, we're not a homophobic. No. We're cynophobic. Catholic, a, a true Catholic like Reuben and myself, we are sinophobic, not homophobic. The article says, so we see clearly that the decision to self-identify as homosexual is not a simple acceptance of nature, nor an agreement with the design of the Creator. It is a willful choice to reject the natural law and the faculties of reason. Mm-hmm. That's a powerful quote right there. It's just, yeah, it's 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 Ruben. It's the mental disorder is what it is. Uh, the article says it's also important to acknowledge the term homosexual itself is itself a neologism of the late Advent 19th century without roots in Catholic tradition. Catholic tradition does not admit to any anthropological categories besides male and female. When treating this perversion, it is simply referred to as sin against nature or the unnatural vice. The Catechism of the Catholic Church promulgated by Pope John Paul II employs the novel troublesome terminology of homosexual persons and teaches that they are called to chastity. Uh, that's a good point. What, what the author is making here is that prior to Vatican II, the word homosexual has was never used. Right. And, and he's he's making the point that by using that term, you're admitting that there's another category of persons out there which has never been admitted before. That's a that's a great term because prior to 1965, it was just called sodomites or sins against nature or a natural vice but after that and i wouldn't lay this at the feet of pope john paul ii i would just say all the council fathers uh whoever voted on that document mm-hmm. they're the ones that all said you know what we got to personalize this sin and and uh and and so they did and so now now it's become a, a it's taken a life of its own and i think it works against uh, catholic teaching yeah a lot of those people who were for this were 
uh, you know, homosexuals str- struggling with that sin too. Yeah, and, and that's why, and that's why they vote. <laughs> they wanted a, a new category of person yeah. recognized by the church. Yeah. So let's say the, the the Catechism twenty three thirty seven says this: chastity means the successful integration of sexuality within the person, and thus the inner unity of man in his bodily and spiritual being. Sexuality in which man's belonging to the bodily and biological world is expressed becomes personal and truly human when it is integrated into the relationship of one person to another in the complete and lifelong mutual gift of a man and a woman. The virtue of chastity, therefore, involves the integrity of the person and the in- integrality of the gift. A lot of, you know... It, I'll, make, I'll make it simple. Yeah. What, what, it's, what it's saying there is, this, this is like deep Catholic philosophy. What it's saying there is that uh, our, our, our faculties... The lower and the higher faculties in Adam and Eve and in Jesus and Mary are perfectly integrated. Perfectly. The higher faculties completely master the lower faculties. There is complete self-mastery. So it's called perfect integration. The rest of us, not so much. The rest of us, as a result of the fall, were disintegrated. And so this is the res- as a result of this, we do fall into different sins. That's where concupiscence comes in. In heaven, our soul will be fully integrated again like it was before the fall. In other words, our emotions, our passions, and our appetites in heaven will be completely submitted to right reason uh, under the word of God. Right now, we still fight with it, and that's why we need prayer, the sacraments, and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. Good point, Jess. So how then can a homosexual person live chastely without integration of his sexuality according to the natural order established by the Creator? The answer is he cannot. That's what I just said. (laughs) So abstinence from natural sexual acts is not chastity. The author says chastity is not the same as the virtue of abstinence. Well, actually, this is quoting St. Thomas. For chastity is concerned with the control of sex pleasures, whereas abstinence is directly concerned with the control of the pleasures of the palate. So the disordered sexual desires of sodomy can never be an object of chastity, and the mere abstinence from sodomitical acts is not chastity. For a person to practice chastity, he must agree with the Creator's order established in nature, witnessed by the natural law, and follow the truth in its intellect. Man must submit his intellect to the faculty of reason as clearly taught by the witness of nature. And and uh, he's quoting Romans one twenty, and, and St. Paul says there, for the visible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, his eternal power also and divinity, so that they are inexcusable, because that when they knew God, they have not glorified him as God or given thanks, but became vain in their thoughts, and their foolish heart was darkened. So to identify as a homosexual is a clear and unambiguous rejection of reason. This is what's difficult uh, about having conversations with Catholics that self-identify yeah. as homosexual is that they the reason is guided by emotion. They say, I feel. No, no, no. You don't understand, Ruben. I feel. I, I think. I, I know. I, there's something in my trapped in my body. It's another person. So they gauge their self-identification by their feelings, and feelings are never a good measure of reality. But... Catholicism is always gauged by reason uh, with, under the Word of God, based on the Word of God. And so you got to get the person that's stuck in this lifestyle, first of all, to admit that based on reason formed by the Word of God, based on natural law, that what they're doing is disordered. That 
Once you could get them to admit that, then you got a Milo Yiannopoulos. Then they say, wow, I do have these urges and, and inclinations. But yeah, in my mind, I, you're right. I am doing things that are disordered and, and dark. And, and, and now he can move towards metanoia. The act of the will now kicks in because first they have to embrace it in their mind. Yes, the church is right. This is objectively wrong. I'm hurting myself. It goes against natural law. It is depraved and disordered. Once that kicks in, right reason, based by the word of God, now the will can, can start moving towards metanoia by prayer and the sacraments like Milo Yiannopoulos. He's a classic example of, of this paragraph. Right, right. So what you're saying, what when you conceive it in your mind, then you embrace it in the heart, right? It has to st- yeah. It has to be born in the mind first. Truth has to hit, be placed, fixed in the mind like a bomb. And then the will is shaken. The will says, wow, oh, this is hard because I like this lifestyle. I've been doing it for so long. I enjoy it. But boy, oh boy, I can see clearly now. It's like, it's like a lot of these people, Ruben, they've been in a dark room all their life. And people keep telling them, you're okay, do as you will, God loves you just the way you are. And they're bumping in a dark room from wall to wall, and all of a sudden somebody flips the light on. That's called reason. Mm -hmm. And now they see like, ah, here's what I've been bumping into. Ah, here's the couch. I tripped over the couch. Uh, That's why why it's so uh, important to study our Catholic faith until we die. Yes. Because the intellect has to be continually formed. Yeah. So this is what uh, St. Bernardine of Siena says, it, it, because it's because this sodomy is primarily a disease of the mind and the intellect. So he says, no sin has greater power over the soul than the one of cursed sodomy, which was always detested by all those who lived according to God. Such passion for undue forms borders on madness. The vice disturbs the intellect, breaks an elevated and generous state of soul, drags great thoughts to petty ones, makes men laminus that just showing it just means showing a lack of courage or, or determination timid basically and irascible that's another big word having or showing a tendency to be easily angered so obstinate and hardened and servilely soft and incapable of anything furthermore the will being agitated by the insatiable drive for pleasure no longer follows reason but furor someone who lived a Practicing the vice of sodomy will suffer more pains in hell than anyone else wow. because this is the worst sin that there is. St. Bernardine of Siena. And um, he, well, did, Ruben, he, yeah. he spoke on this. Um, it's one of, his, one of the main topics that he spoke on. I, I was doing some uh, looking up on, on St. Bernard, uh, Bernardine. And what he says, uh, I mean, I, I don't even want to repeat what he was saying, you know, uh, what people should be done, what should be done to those those people who persist in this, this type of sin. Well, Ruben, uh, many of the saints that have seen hell say that people in hell will be tormented in the in the exact body part that they were misusing to offend God. Mm. Think about that. Uh, the exact body part that they used to offend God, that's where they will be. Uh, that's how they will be tortured in hell. And also, St. Catherine of Siena, another doctor of the church, God the Father told her in a locution which is written in a book that she wrote is called uh, it's called dialogue with the father st. Catherine of Siena doctor of the church wrote that God the father told her that the only sin that demons cannot look at demons literally have to take custody of their eyes turn away and avert their gaze when they see two men in the act of sodomy 
even demons have to t- look away from that act because it is so dark even for a demon. If you can wrap your mind around that. Wow. Yeah, that's that's heavy, Jess. <laughs> that's real heavy. <laughs> so, it says, what, what then is the real reason for maintaining the pretense of gay but chaste? It is presented as a justification for men with no supernatural faith to continue in their careers as professional clerics. <clears throat> yep. They argue that they are chaste and therefore present no imminent threat to the faithful. However, the primary menace of the church comes not from the acts of sodomy alone, but from the minds that have rejected reason and natural law. And th- that's why, again, traditional seminaries will not allow, when, when somebody says that they're struggling with these same-sex attractions, they won't allow them into their ranks because they know, once again, that this th- they become an imminent threat to the faithful if they get holy orders. Uh, because there's already a, a disorder that they're dealing with, like... Uh, St. Bernardinus, and this passion borders on madness, Ruben. Mm, that's right. And then you get the uh, vocation directors that ha- are all part of this lifestyle, and they're allowing them to come into the, uh, the seminary. So. They recruit them, Ruben. They, don't, they recruit them. <laughs> all right. You're right. <laughs> Be right back. Don't change that dial. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911. We're back talking about the uh, the myth of the chaste homosexual. And we're talking about the, actually the priesthood here um, about, you know, having this, being able to be chaste, the chastity is, is what this author is talking about here, that it's rejected because of they don't have the right reason and so it's they cannot be chased so it goes on to say how many faithful catholics have succumbed to this lie and their ignorance is not a justification for sustaining this blight on chastity saint paul writes who having known the justice of god did not understand that they who do such things are worthy of death not only that they they that do them and here it is but they also that consent to them that do them and so listen, you know, that's from Romans one thirty two. Listen up, all you clerics who cover up for your bishops and, and, and priests, because you're uh, you're implicated in this, too. You're you know, you're you're part of the part of the crime. So the danger is not only in the acts of sodomy, nor is it restricted to agreement with them. The danger to the soul is in consenting to sodomy as being a real sexual orientation that as long as not acted on is safe. There is no chastity for the person who self-identifies as homosexual even if he or she never practices sodomy. Is there any hope then for the person who self-identifies as a homosexual? The answer is yes. As long as the con- conscience has been has not been fatally wounded, if the soul is willing to hear the truth, and that's what Jesse talked about before, and submit to right reason, then the mind can be renewed and the soul saved. Sadly, we know that such conversions are rare and the road of repentance arduous and exceedingly difficult this is primarily because the intellect has been reordered to follow an entire architecture of falsehood that re- rejects nature and in so doing rejects the God of nature who planted reason in the conscience of men. So the ugly, uh, in, uh, the ugly reality is that the myth of the chaste homosexual is a clever subterfuge employed by wicked clergymen who submitted themselves for holy orders fraudulently. 
They assert this claim to maintain their status as pastors and priests, but they have no supernatural faith and rejected nature, reason, and the conscience in order to maintain their identity as homosexuals, which in the final analysis is their true priority, even above obedience to God. You have to think, Jess, um, you know, they know what God teaches. They've been to seminary. They know, they know in their heart what the truth is, yet they they want to file follow their own passions and their 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 own vices. Jess, I can't we can't hear you. Um got a problem with the mic, so yeah, so uh that's th- yeah, that's where we're at here and 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 so this is you got it? Okay. Okay, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, somebody turned me off, I guess. Somebody didn't like what I was saying. Ooh. <laughs> Ruben, the, the, the article just answered it. Uh, they have no supernatural faith. That, yeah. it's, it's right there. They've lost. And, and something else in the article that jumps out, which I just heard Milo Yiannopoulos, uh, he uh, was interviewed by Michael Voris. And uh, he, he said that what he's doing right now, he goes, I, you know, he ran across a good priest. I, I, I kind of, I, I know who he ran across. And this good priest is, is basically helped him. And, he, and Milo Yiannopoulos said that he's helping me reorder my intellect. Mm. This, is, this is classic St. Thomas, Thomistic theology. Sin happens. Because, and that's, what, that's when I have Dan Schneider every Wednesday. This, Dan's an expert in this stuff. He always talks about this. It's, it's people that have fallen to this type of debauchery, even possession. What happened is their intellect has been compromised. They, or they know, they've lost their supernatural faith. In order to heal from this, the article says, and every Thomistic uh, priest that I talk to say, Jess, the person has to reorder their intellect in order to reject what's false and, re- and reject the propaganda of society. By the reordering of the intellect as, uh, under submission to right reason and the word of God. That's how Milo Yiannopoulos got healed. You basically... His, his hard drive had viruses, and he had to clean out his hard drive and fill it with the teachings of the authentic perennial magisterium of 2,000 years. He didn't have to put the McAfee uh, spam. Uh, that's a <laughs> bad joke. Poor McAfee. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, Let's go on to the, Ruben, the other. There's another article written by the same author. It's very good. It's called The Impossibility of a Gay Catholic Priest. He says... An ordained man who self-identifies as a sodomite or homosexual gay is probably not even in the faith, regardless of the sacrament of holy orders. I never thought about that. Mm-mm. One of the gravest errors of our days is to treat sodomy just like another sin. Adultery is a mortal sin, but it's not against nature. Ah, I've been saying this for 20 years. I finally get a, a good Catholic priest that writes about this. That's what I've been saying for 20 years. This is a category all in itself. You know, a guy having premarital sex, fornication, yeah. that's all bad. Don't get me wrong. That's all mortal sin, yeah. cheating on your wife, adultery. But this is an, another category of evil, evil that the church fathers like St. Gregory the Great call uh, the sins that cry to heaven. Yeah, they cry out for vengeance. They, they, cry, they cry. Yeah, yes. So it is natural for men and women to be attracted to each other. And nature itself uh, teaches us that the connubial act is a source of human procreation. It is a very serious offense against the law of God 
but not against nature itself. That's what I've been saying for 20 years. I said, when you cheat on your wife, yeah. it's not against nature. It's against God, which is serious. It's a mortal sin, but it's not an unnatural act. It's a sodomy, which is the generic term that also applies to lesbian acts, attacks the moral sense, the conscience, the faculty of reason. And you will see this if you, re if you carefully read St. Paul's letters uh, in Romans chapter 1, verses 24 to 32. Three times in this passage, it describes God handing men over to, de to the, their debased mind to destroy themselves. So Ruben, just this act has a destructive component. And I can tell you, I've talked to people that used to be homosexuals and they're out now. Every single one of them has told me that during the act that they've told me, that they, they could see demons all around them. I, I mean, visible right around them in the act of sodomy. And in fact, many of these guys have told me that that the demons uh, actually are coming out of body parts as they're in the act of sodomy, and you can clearly see them. Wow. Ah. I won't mention the names because there's several people that I know that have, they don't know each other, and they've all said the same things. There, there's this, this conjures demons, this actual act, because it's so dark. Wow. Go ahead, Ruben. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I just remember a few years back when uh, Obama was in, in office, he was... Uh, getting rid of the reparative therapy. He was making it a crime for psychologists, psychiatrists to, to bring those people back from the dark side, you know, and um, it, it, I don't know where it stands right now, but that, that was a, a really a big topic, big, big issue that, uh, you know, Obama started all this Ruben. <laughs> no, no, he well, did. He, he's, well, he, he, he's the one who, uh, who approved a gay marriage. So exactly. So that's with, what I'm saying. Along with Biden. He, he got the but he got the ball rolling, and this is why we're where we're at right and now. Biden brags that he's the one who convinced Obama to <laughs> vote for gay marriage. <laughs> uh, yeah, to be proud of Mr. Joe. So, no, he's gonna he's gonna be asked uh, at his particular judgment. He's an old man. He's gonna render an account of what he did, Ruben. He, this is now just. It's not like he did something this privately. It's not like Joe Biden started becoming homosexual in his eighties on his own. He made this national mm -hmm. which is now having ripple effects internationally this wicked man can you imagine Ruben mm -hmm. at his judgment if he doesn't have a Saint a Saint Dismas conversion what's gonna happen to him who's internationalized one of the worst sins known in Christian tradition he's not gonna remember just that's his hour that's his defense I don't recall <laughs> When dealing with sodomites, we're not dealing with men who have a healthy functioning conscience or an in, in, intact ability to reason according to the natural law. We're dealing with men who have rejected the natural law, the natural law, the divine law, and even their own consciences. They are reprobate in most cases, meaning their consciences are ruined. This is one reason we see so few conversions from this unnatural vice. And why is it very dangerous to engage in religious discussions with such people? Uh, and they're going to get they're going to get heated. I mean, it, it's not going to go very, very well when you're when these people have their minds are so uh, darkened to the Catholic conscience. The very idea that a priest could be a sodomite should cause a strong moral reaction, revulsion, disgust, even hatred of the act and its intrinsic disorder. Not the person. Our society is permeated with this sin and therefore we have to a great extent lost our ability to reason, thinking emotionally rather than logically this is one of the four sins that cry out to heaven for divine vengeance, the wrath of God. 
Go ahead. Yeah, that goes that goes back to Saint Gregory the Great, uh, Saint Cassian. This is this is an old teaching regarding the wickedness of the sin. Doctor Gerard Van Den Ardweg, a member of the newly formed John Paul II Academy for Human Life and Family, writes. Quote, it is crucial whether or not a person normalizes his attractions. Doing this, he suppresses his reason and conscience for the inner perception that homosexual activities are contra naturum, is inborn and universal. Starting thus to lie to himself, <clears throat> he must suppress his awareness of the normality of man-woman love and of normal marriage with its fertility and is forced to cling desperately to rationalizations that justify his choice to see himself as normal, healthy, and morally good. Thus, he alienates himself from reality, locks himself up in wishful thinking, and not willing to seek, seek the truth about himself. He wants to change the natural feelings and opinions about the homosexuality of 98% of mankind, which he feels as hostile to him. In reality, it is not society, culture, religion that persecute him, but it is his own conscience. That's a powerful line from a medical doctor. What we're dealing with here is not simply a sexual disorder. We're dealing with minds that have rejected the natural law and by implication, the God who planted the law in their hearts. Mm. How can then such a person be in the faith, let alone function in persona Christi as a sacerdotal, sacerdotal priest? Who would assume such a person could be in a state of grace at all and why would you seek the sacraments at the hands of such a man? Wow, great points. Jesus 911, two-man car. We're talking about uh, the sin that cries God's vengeance. Two-man car, we'll be right back. Stick around. Don't turn that dial. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. The what we're talking about here in this article is the impossibility of a gay Catholic priest. And uh he's going to quote St. Thomas here, the author is so uh you know, he goes on to say that um let us remember that the wickedness of a of wayward priest does not neg negate the flow of grace from the Holy Ghost. It is de fide that the sacraments are efficacious, ex operato, by virtue of their operation. The ordination of a sodomite truly confers the sacrament of orders, but both that wicked man and his or ordinary incur wrath upon wrath every time they perform a sacred function. So the, the five points that he, he quotes from St. Thomas Number one, a man who receives the sacrament of orders is set to lead others. Therefore, he should be a man of holy and exemplary life. Yet this is a requirement of precept and of propriety. It is not the, the essence of the sacrament. Even a sinful man who receives orders is validly ordained, although he does great wrong in accepting the ordination. You want to read the second Number one? two, a candidate for orders should have knowledge adequate for the proper discharge of his sacred duties. He must have a sufficiency of knowledge of the scriptures and know the doctrines of the faith and the requirements of Christian morality. Uh, number three, the personal holiness of an ordained man has nothing to do with the sacrament itself. 
An ordained man does not advance in degree of orders as he advances in personal holiness. Number four, a prelate who knowingly ordains the candidate holy and worthy to, of the office he assumed commits a grave sin and shows himself an unworthy servant of the Lord. It would be like the example of McCarrick, a homosexual, exactly. uh, ordaining other young homosexuals that he recruited. Right. A man in orders who, apart from necessity, exercises his office while he is in the state of mortal sin is guilty of another grievous sin every time he performs a sacred function. Those, all those five points were from St. Thomas Aquinas' the Summa. The mere mention of the word sodomy and homosexual summon unwholesome images to the mind that are unfit for Christian thinking. Traditionally, this sin was not discussed in polite company. St. Thomas Aquinas, writing against writing about sins against nature, explains, quote, However, they are, they are called passions of ignominy because they're not worthy of being named, according to the passage in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 12. For the things that are done by them in secret, it is a shame even to speak of. Close quote. For if the sins of the flesh are commonly censurable because they lead men man to which... To, to that which is bestial in him, much more so is the sin against nature, by which man debases himself lower than even his animal nature. And that's from St. Thomas Aquinas. Once again, just talking about how base and how dark and depraved this sin is. Reuben? Mm -hmm. So in the, in, in the ecclesiastical tradition of the church, any hint of a, a perversion was to be acted upon swiftly and decisively, and um, St. John Chrysostom says, homosexuality is the heaviest sin which irrevocably and definitively prevents one entering the priesthood. And of course, the church does not allow any homosexual to be elevated to the priesthood, even if he has stopped the sin for years. St. Basil the Great considers homosexuality or lesbianism a, beastie, a beastly sin, abusers of themselves with mankind and with beasts, as also murderers, wizards, adulterers, and idolaters are deserving of the same punishment. Canon 7 of uh, St. Basil the Great. St. Gregory of Nyssa characterizes homosexuality as unnatural in his fourth canon. St. John the, the Faster observes in his 19th canon, according to the compilation of the rudder of St. Nicodemus, the Hegelite, the following, quote, A boy who has been ruined by any man cannot come into the holy priesthood, for although on a on account of his immature age, he did not sin himself, yet the vessel of his body was rent and became useless in connection with the sacred priesthood. End quote. Wow. Well, that's so deep. St. John Chrysostom talks about on the terrible passion of homosexuality. He's another doctor of the church. He affirms the gravity of this unnatural vice, saying the vice of sodomy surpasses the enormity of all others. Why? Because... Without fail, it brings death to the body and destruction to the soul. It pollutes the flesh, extinguishes the light of the mind, expels the Holy Spirit from the temple of the human heart, and gives entrance to the devil. That's the point that I've, a lot of people that have told me that during this act they can see demons all around them. They can feel the presence of evil spirits. The, the stimulator of lust, it leads, it leads to error totally removes truth from the deluded mind. It opens the pal and closes the gates of paradise. 
It is this vice that violates temperance, slays modesty, strangles chastity, and slaughters virginity. It defiles all things, <clears throat> sullies all things, pollutes all things. This vice excludes the man from the assembled choir of the church. It separates the soul from God to associate it with demons. Mm. Again, this is this is this is deep theology. This utterly <clears throat> diseased queen of queen of Sodom renders him who obeys the laws of her tyranny infamous to men and odious to God. She strips her knights of the armor of virtue, exposing them to be pierced by the spears of every vice. She humiliates her slave in the church and condemns him in court. She defiles him in secret and dishonors him in public. She gnaws at his conscience like a worm and consumes his flesh like fire. This unfortunate man, is he is depraved of all moral sense. His memory fails and his, mind, and his mind's vision is darkened. Unmindful of God, he also forgets his own identity. This disease erodes the foundation of the faith, saps the vitality of hope, <clears throat> dissolves the bond of love, it makes way with justice, demolishes fortitude, removes temperance, and blunts the edge of prudence. It looks to me like, Reuben, this is probably one of Satan's greatest weapons when you look at the compilation of all these fathers of the church. One of the greatest weapons to destroy somebody's supernatural faith. Yes. Yeah, due to time, we're, I'm going to drop down to, um, what about today? In his reforms of the Code of Canon Law, John Paul II decriminalized clerical sodomy. Because <clears throat> we remember in 1917, the CSE uh, Section 2359 stated, if clerics engage in a deli uh, delict against the sixth precept of the Decalogue with a minor below the age of 16 or engage in adultery, debauchery, bestiality, sodomy, pandering, or uh, incest with the blood relatives or Athenas in the first degree, they are suspended, declared infamous, and are deprived of any office, benefits, dignity, responsibility, if they have such whatsoever, and in more serious cases they are to be deposed. So this canon was deleted from the 1983 um, CIC promulgated by John Paul II. The 1962 instruction of the Holy Office, now Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, refers to sodomy as crimen pessimum, the foulest crime, and directs back to canon 2359 of the 1917 code. So sodomy is now an act of grave depravity and objectivity, objectively disordered. That's the Catechism of the Catholic Church, 25 23, 57, and 58, but no longer a crime when committed by those under holy orders. That doesn't make sense. So the, it, 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 it surprises me that they even put those words in after Vatican II because why did this happen? Why did the change happen in the Code of Canon Law? Well, we know why. All you've got to do is read Taylor Marshall's book, Infiltration. Already at the time of the Council, the church was infiltrated by Masons, Marxists and homosexuals right on. Uh, who, are, who are also theological modernists. So it doesn't surprise me uh, those that were, you know, in these uh, in, in these per, these different sessions that were voting for these documents, a, a good, a sizable a majority of them were homosexuals, practicing homosexuals. So when it came down to vote, of course, and Ruben, you know how it is, the, the, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. <clears throat> you could have 25 kids in a classroom. You get two kids that are disruptive. Who controls the class? 
Yep. Those two, those two kids. Yeah. The other 28, you don't hear nothing from them. Okay? It's two kids. They have all the teacher's attention entirely. That's all you need. You need a dozen homosexuals at Vatican II. They're going to be loud. They're going to be boisterous. They're going to be in your face. And the other ones are just going to kind of like, okay, all right, okay. That's exactly what happened. They bullied their way to remove this uh, from the 1917 code and not make it into the 1983 code because, once again, they're small, they're in number, but they're but they're powerful in influence. Yeah, and, and just uh, going to quote a uh, a guy that, uh, that I know on social media. He's in traditional circles, John Proctor. He said he said that there's nothing merciful about supporting and sustaining the horrific crisis of homosexuality in the hierarchy. Um, so when people are confused about this, about the type of sin sodomy is, it leads you to have naive conclusions. So some people would say, hey, you know, why are you saying this? You sound so hateful. But in the end, believe like yours. And he was answering a question by, well, not a question, but somebody who was blasting the author of this for putting this out there. How dare you say these things? He says, in the end, belief like yours, unfortunately, winds up sharing some of the culpability for this monstrous sin for which God Almighty destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's true. I would, you know. Thinking about if you're sitting in confession with a priest that you know to be homosexual, and how can he counsel you on on what is to be chastity, to be chastity, and to be a man, yeah. and yeah. those those kind of things? And he's so would he be approving of somebody con- confesses this sin? Would oh don't don't be so hard on yourself? Maybe um, it, it just it, it gives us a lot of things to think about. That's for sure. And, Ruben, not not to say anything about this. Is called the sin of omission. Yeah. In other words, we have a responsibility. Uh, St. Paul says, he says, uh, expose the darkness. Anybody who doesn't speak out against these things that are hurting our church and our society and our families is guilty of the sin of omission. And if you do so with full knowledge and deliberate consent of the will, it's a mortal sin. Yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, we're, we're calling you to love everybody, to to bring them in, and to, but the truth you gotta you gotta lead them to truth, and uh, and unfortunately, you know, yeah. I'll let, Ruben, I'll let Mother Angelica, rest in peace. Here's what she would say: She would say, "Somebody who doesn't tell you the truth does not love you. Somebody who tells you the truth loves you." That's right. Pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. I heard, pretty, I heard pretty simple. That. Yeah. So. <laughs> hey, by the way, Ruben, on to some good news. The month of July is, uh, is dedicated to the precious blood of Jesus. Go to Mass more often this month. Go play visits to the Blessed Sacrament. Remember, Jesus Christ uh, is is why we're Catholic. And uh, if you can't get to Mass, at least do a spiritual communion prayer every single day. And uh, remember, that's the source and summit of the Christian life. That's why we're Catholic. Let's pray for our good. Let's pray for our priests. They need our help. They need our prayers. And sacrifices. So, uh, do what you can, especially our good priests. You're listening Amen. to Jesus nine one one. We hope you enjoy the show. If uh, you like it, share it with others. And uh, up, up next is Gary Mashuda with Hands On Apologetics from the Midwest Command Center. We are ten seven. We are out. <laughs>